This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country. Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And let me just say this. Arizona is, the, I believe, is the, one of the only teams in the country that has defeated three ranked teams, Shane, in football. Alabama, uh, Texas, and Arizona. And shockingly... The Wildcats are ranked in both football and basketball for the first time since 20, what, 15, 14, something like that? Well, you know, what's crazy is that Arizona basketball plays Duke later this week. They play mm-hmm. at Cameron Indoor State, a huge matchup. And yet for me, and I think a lot of Wildcat fans, it is the game we're second most excited about this week. Yeah. Because there's still relevant football to be played in November for the first time in several years. Not only relevant football, but this team is... It's climbing, climbing the ladder quickly. And, you know, they're a, a overtime loss versus USC away from being the Pac-12 championship discussion. It's amazing and it's fun. And, you know, things change from week to week in college football. So enjoy the ride as long as we can. We have a heck of a show for you tonight. Brian Jeffries, the voice of the Wildcats, going to join us in the second segment. And my buddy from Sportsline, Alan Bell, I call him AB. He's going to be on to make picks with us. And, you know, as always, it is going to be a hoot if you have seen AB in action. But first... It is time for our number one segment. We'll call it segment 1A, Shane's Standouts. All right. There's a lot to choose from after a hell of a game on Saturday night and a hell of a game on Monday night. Two great games on Monday night, Shane. Yeah, I'll go go a little sideways with these because you have, you know, let's start with football. And you you all know the obvious standouts. You know, I could talk about Noah Fafita and T-Mac all day. I'd like to mention two that might not immediately come to mind. And the first is Tanner McLaughlin. Uh, he had five catches for 66 mm-hmm. yards against UCLA, including a catch in the second half where I don't know what it looked like from your perspective, but on TV, it looked brutal. He took the massive shot to the back that made my back hurt, and he somehow held on to the ball. Uh, he was shaken up, and he came back right in the game because he's he's just tough like that. But the biggest play of the game for him, and maybe the biggest play of the game altogether, if you think about how early it happened, was on UCLA's first quarter interception return, where it looked like UCLA had a pick yeah. six. Yeah, yes. It looked I like thought it. this. Yep. But McLaughlin didn't give up on the play, Mm-mm. made a shoestring tackle around the Arizona 40-yard line. And instead yep. of going up 7-0, UCLA gets one first down, settles for a field goal, and they miss it. And it changed the entire course of the game. So I want to mention spot on. I want to mention Tanner for the game he had because not you know he had the five catches for 66 yards, which was great. But that play, it it changed the and it really it kind of personifies just the the effort that you see from mm-hmm. this team. And then I want to mention Russell Davis, who was one of uh, several Wildcats that just harassed UCLA's quarterbacks, plural, all night. Uh, Davis had that sack on Ethan Garbers, uh, who went around uh, our guest's son, our guest from last week, his son then during that on that play, that knocked uh, knocked Garbers out of the game in the fourth quarter, uh, which we don't want to see, but it was a play that just confirmed or continued the momentum that, that after Arizona had scored to go up uh, 24 to 10. Uh, he was in the backfield a lot. Russell Davis uh, made some plays that influenced the game, but don't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. So uh, you could pick any number of defensive linemen for Arizona um, any given week, but I'm going to go with him this week. On the basketball side, same thing. A lot of guys to choose from in the blowout win over Morgan State. Uh, all of the starters, the European newcomers. 
I want to mention KJ Lewis in his first college basketball game. He filled up the stat sheet, uh, had five steals along with eight points, four rebounds, four assists, didn't turn the ball over. Uh, he's not Dalen Terry, but it was a very Dalen Terry-esque stat line. Mm. And that kind of impact off the bench uh, would be huge for Arizona going forward. So I want to give a shout out to the freshmen. And also the women's team. I, I don't know how much we'll have a chance to talk about them tonight. Uh, good win on the road, New yep. Mexico State. Not easy to open. You just don't know what this team's going to look like this year. The conference is tough. I mean, Colorado goes there, and beats yeah. number one LSU. Yeah. I mean, so I yeah. just you, you don't know what to expect, but it's a good double digit game one win for Diaz. So yeah, and, and that, yeah, yeah, and then and uh, yeah, their freshman Cunningham uh, had a had a uh, fantastic start to her career at Arizona. So definitely want to mention her as well. Now it is time for segment 1B, which is by ourselves, presented by our friends at Ice Shaker. Go to icesshaker.com, use promo code Wildcat Country Capital, W Capital C, get $5 off or get yours at fanatics.com. All right, Shane, number one, regardless of what happens from here, Arizona football has exceeded any and all 2023 expectations, buy or sell. Yeah, I don't know about all expectations, but they certainly okay. exceeded mine. Uh, you saw the stat, you know, and you mentioned it earlier. They're just one of three teams to beat three ranked opponents, and and they're in good, good company with the other two. What impresses me most is how physical this team is in all facets of the game. Uh, their running backs are running guys over. Their wideouts are blocking. Uh, and, and dragging dragging defenders with him. I mean, uh, it was appropriate that Gronk was there when Montana's, Montana Montana yeah. Lamonius Craig dragged a couple guys into the end zone mm -hmm. with him. Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, shades of what Gronk used to do back in the day. Uh, and then on defense, you know, their, their D men and linebackers are getting to the quarterback. Uh, their corners and safeties are forcing incompletions or meeting receivers as soon as they catch the ball. Johnny Anson deserves a lot of credit, but I think Dwayne Aquina has a lot to do with the, this nasty streak that the defense has taken on. And I think that's resonated throughout the team. I, I can't remember the last time that Arizona was outplaying ranked teams on both sides of the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball. Now they still have three games left and they lose them all or even two out of three. A lot of those good feelings go away. But as long as this team stays grounded and remains confident without crossing over to arrogance or losing focus, there's no reason they can't keep on rolling. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now I, I'm also going to sell my own question yet buy it. And I, I agree with what you said, Shane. They've exceeded many expectations. I wouldn't say all. No. I think with a win over ASU, I think a seven-win regular season with a win over ASU, that's exceeded all expectations as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, uh, I don't think anybody was thinking they were going to go realistically. I mean, there was one guy, and I will say this: there was one guy in our YouTube comments who said that uh, Arizona is going to go nine and three, and I thought he was nuts. You know what? I, I got to give him props. Uh, if you're listening to the show, uh, offhand, good job. Uh, this team has a chance to win out, uh, and I think if they do, Shane, it's interesting to see what would happen. They're ranked 21st now, need to be in the top 11, uh -huh. and and it, I mean, it locks you into a potentially a fiesta bowl bit. Uh, the odds of Arizona, I mean, they would need calamity after calamity to get up 10 spots at this point. I mean, they would need to annihilate Colorado, Utah, and ASU, and then need a lot of... But still, if Arizona finishes the end of the year, if they win out, and, and including their bowl game, finish in the top 15, oh, a 10-win well, season with, yeah. with the top 15, I mean, we're dreaming, but holy crap. Well, you're thinking about where this team was with a win over Stanford, which was a butt-ugly game, and and likely a good chance they would have lost if if uh, no or if uh, Jaden Delora had stayed in the game. Right. Uh, so you think about where they were then. They're 3-1, and one, but do we really feel good about it? Not really. 
And now we feel a lot better about this team. So it's just amazing how far they've come. Again, fortunes change and, and momentum and fan perception changes from week to week in college football, fair or not. So we'll see what happens in Boulder. But uh, I, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the ride. You know, as, as Wildcat fans, Wildcat football fans, we learn to, to guard our hearts closely. But there's no reason not to enjoy what we've experienced. Um, alumni were back uh, on Saturday, and, and I, great. I was I wasn't at the game, but just over on I know you were, and on TV it sounded loud. It sounded as loud as it's been in a long time. I'll tell you, they had Gronk come out for the coin toss. They had Scooby writing Khalil Tate uh, yeah. in the pregame. Scooby gets on the microphone and does Scooby's thing, and with Khalil waving. I mean, I love seeing the alumni back. Yeah, that is so important to have those guys on campus jedfish gets it and it was a great environment the last two weeks are as good in, in consecutive games that i can remember at arizona stadium since in a long time i mean i'd have to go back and, and think about it but man those two games against oregon state and ucla were so much fun yeah. uh i i i love it and this is what arizona football should be you know close it out with a win against utah and we will be looking forward to our Big 12 debut next year. That This is going to be fun. But the crowd stepped up. I was really, really proud. And they stayed. And they stayed. Yeah. Um, you know, they, it was it was really impressive. And, and I love the field rushes, by the way. i got to say that. No, I was not on the field. Uh, number two, uh, Shane, Arizona's effort level is far greater than any team we have seen since 2014 by ourselves. Yeah, I'll buy it, at least since 2014. Uh, because I think in 2014 – you saw a lot of individual players with that high effort level, including our, our guy, Scooby, who you mentioned. Everyone's hitting hard right now for Arizona. Everyone's playing with maximum effort. And, and so to see that that just be team-wide, I feel like, like it's it's almost like contagious with this team. You know, even on special teams with a blocked field goal, you're, you're seeing it everywhere. Uh, so the effort level yeah. on a team level, I would, you know, I, I don't think, I don't, you could debate whether this team is, is, is playing as well as the 2014 team did at, at its peak. But in terms of the effort level on a team perspective, you could even argue that that it's better because it, it is a, a universal effort. The players have bought in. And again, you go back to Tanner McLaughlin's play. If the whole team doesn't buy in, some guys wouldn't make that play. Some guys would give up on that play. And he did. Right. And I don't think there's a single guy on that roster who would have given up on that play because they, they are all bought in. And that's why you're seeing the effort. Yeah. The other thing I want to point out, Noah Fafita throws some passes that are in such tight windows. And, you know, I know he has a very high completion percentage, but he threw a couple. And I think one was to McLaughlin. I was like, wow. It was, I mean, it was. I thought it was going to be intercepted, and it, it ended up going for a first He's down. got a lot of zip on the on his ball. He, he doesn't have, like, a, it was like the strongest arm in terms of getting it downfield. But I'm amazed that some of those pass, those passes he throws aren't aren't tipped because and, he throws you, it so hard. You can see the rapport with him and T-Mac. It is. Oh, yeah. I mean, T-Mac has to lie. Listen, going to Oregon would have been great, and I get that. But T-Mac has to love playing with these guys. You know, Kean's going to start next year, probably with McLaughlin at you know graduating. You know, to have the Servite guys, Jacob Manu, who's been an impact player. I mean, these Servite guys have literally changed the program. Well, and Jacob Cowling, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, these young guys, these young receivers, Malachi Riley. Um, yeah. You know, Kevin uh, Green. Yeah, I mean, these are some players as well. So it's it's really this team is has been fun to watch. Yeah. Now let's talk about next year for a second. Thoughts on the Big 12 football scheduling model? Anything that yeah, I know it's not really a buy or sell, but just any thoughts uh, of what you've seen on that? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I'm just looking at their home games for next year. Um, and I, I'll tell you that the, the as of now, it's kind of funny that the more things change, the more they stay the same. The, the game that concerns me the most would be the one at Utah 
Now, every other game, at least at this moment, looks either winnable or a game that Arizona should win. All of their right. home games, you could argue, they as you know, if they were facing any of those teams at this moment, they should win. You yeah. go on the road, uh, Utah obviously would be very tough. The rest of them, TCU, UCF, BYU, they're all they're all. Winning. I mean, I think fortunes change week to week, so I'm not getting ahead of myself. But it none of those, you know, it, it's it's just funny because it's like there's no Oregon, there's no USC, there's no Washington, there's no team, and of course with Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC, you don't have to worry about them. There's no team that really outside of again Utah that that, that really concerns me. But yeah, there, there's several teams they play three out of four years. Um, Utah. Is three out well, of Kansas four. State. They play all four because the next two are non-conference. Games. That's right. That's right. They play K State every four, all four, and, you know, and ASU as well. Right. Uh, and Kansas State has been fantastic at home uh, this season and dating back to last year. That's going to be tough. I really don't like that yeah. non-conference game next year. That's true. I wasn't I looking at the K State game because I only have the the quote right, unquote the conference con- games on, on there. Yeah. I, I will tell you this. And looking at it, my first uh, opinion was this could be a, a eight nine win team. I I, I really sure. you know assuming. That there's not transfers and nobody. I mean, yeah. if it's you so keep there's the always core, some of that, but yeah, but right, you keep the core. Yeah. Like this to me looks like an eight or nine win team. So I, I just with that schedule, we'll see how it shakes out. There could be some crazy quirks, but uh, it doesn't phase me. Like when we saw this year's schedule, we were like, oh my god, Washington and USC back to back at Washington State, where Arizona doesn't usually play well. Then you got Oregon State and UCLA, who we assumed were going to going to be ranked or close. And they ended up, I mean, five ranked teams in a row. Arizona went three and two and lost the two games by a combined, what, nine points? And one and, th- and triple overtime. Yeah, by an average of nine points and one and a half overtimes per game. Uh, well, no, that, an average of four and a half points and one. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Right. Res- yeah, yeah, nine yeah, points something. combined. Yeah, right. I mean, right. It, I mean, uh, Crazy. Yeah, and, and then you know the nice thing about even numbered years is Arizona gets five conference games at home because the ASU right. game is at home, so they'll have them back in Tucson. That, that's the nice thing about if you ever get it, you, you get a chance to beat uh, your rival on the road, which are, again we'll we'll get to that in in a couple of weeks. And Arizona hasn't done that in Tempe in 2011. The nice thing is if you get a win, you don't have to go back there for two years. You have that win in your pocket. And you don't have to go back for two years. But they'll have Arizona, ASU at home, Colorado at home, Texas Tech, Houston, West Virginia, uh, all look like very winnable games at this moment in time okay now let's talk let's, let's kind of pivot a little bit we'll talk more football with brian jeffries arizona men's basketball was absolutely dominant mm. against morgan state winning by 60 something shane what are the realistic expectations i know not another buyer sell but yeah. um realistically what do you think this season realistically like what what is fair to it for you because you know yeah. what i think you know yeah. what i think no they're on paper and and the very limited time we've seen them together on the court, I, I think certainly they should be favorites for the Pac-12 title. You should expect yep. them to win at least uh, a couple games against the ranked opponents they have coming up. But the Duke yep. game is going to be m- maybe Michigan the toughest. State, Michigan State lost at home to James Madison on opening night. So mm-hmm. you just never know. You, you, you never know. Uh, and then I, I think that this team – is geared more for March than previous iterations. Now, I mean, tournament's still a crapshoot. You know, you have one bad game or one bad half and you're done. But I think Arizona filled the holes that I think they were they were really they were they were apparent to see in their one game tournament game last year. And even in the tournament uh, the year before that, they have uh depth at the guard position now, some very good guard plays. They have those um that that alpha or maybe multiple alphas like you talk about, like guys who can take over a game. I think both Boswell and Love fit that description. And they have some more defense and toughness now. They added a uh, uh, Kashad Johnson and, and a couple of the guys from Europe. So 
Uh, I think they, they're a more well-rounded team, at least on paper. We'll see how it all comes together. We'll see, you know, injuries always play a factor, but I I'll just say it. I, I expect this team to go out and win the pact. 12 because they should, the NCAA tournament is always a crapshoot, but I expect them to win the conference. Uh, interesting. Uh, I would agree with that. I think USC, I looked really impressive to me on Monday night against Kansas state. I think it is a two horse race in the conference. I don't think UCLA from what I've seen is up to par. I was not all that impressed with a little bit of the, that I saw of them on Monday night. Uh, I think Arizona is really good. Um, I, I mean that Michigan state game. Now you watch them lose to shoot one of 20 from three point range. They lose James Madison. You're like, well, I mean, in Palm Springs, uh, that's winnable. Alabama's winnable. Uh, Wisconsin's winnable. I will make our predictions for the Duke game later in the show. Um, you know, Florida Atlantic, uh, it's out West and Purdue, I guess, you know, that's kind of a home game for them. So we'll worry about that, but I could see four wins uh, three and three, I think is a must, but I think I could see four wins. Uh, I'll say that. I think this team, uh, you know, for, we talk betting and stuff like that. Occasionally Arizona is plus six fifty, So six and a half to one to make the final four final fours in Glendale. You have a couple bucks laying around. I'm just mm. saying it's probably yeah. they're they're worse, they're worse bet chain. Uh-huh. I know. There, You know how I feel about this chain. discussion. I know you do. I just I'm just I'm just saying. All right, a uh, bonus question here. Do you think uh the Kerr Crease nine game suspension at West Virginia impacts Arizona at all? Doesn't sound like it. It's kind of a weird thing because it's kind of you know intentionally vague. And Arizona released a statement that said the NCAA agrees that they haven't didn't do anything wrong, which that's fine. I mean, but there was no such statement uh, in previous situations. And isn't it funny that this is whole thing is kind of the gift that keeps on giving during yeah. <laughs> going back to the Sean Miller era. It's like, you think you're done with it and you're not, but it kind of sounds like a nothing burger from Arizona's perspective. And I'll believe that until I hear something differently. So uh, it sounds like they, they expected something like this to come down and they weren't going to comment on it naturally until, uh, un- until there was an, uh, an official announcement that, that Kerr was going to be suspended at West Virginia. So, uh, I, I'm not concerned about, I, I will choose not to be concerned about it until I have a reason to, uh, think otherwise. You know, we've had some exciting times on Wildcat country in the three plus years that you and I have done this show, Shane, but right now. When you see the 21st ranked uh, football team, you see the men's basketball team on the fringe of the top 10. Uh, this is really fun. I mean, this is really, really fun. And I'll, I'll say the same thing I did uh, to Valley sports fans when the Diamondbacks got to the World Series. Um, because aside from ASU, I'm a fan of all the Valley sports teams. I said, savor this because you never know when it's going to happen again. Our, our, you know, the, Phoenix, the Phoenix pro teams are typically collectively not very good. And, right. and they've, they've lost a lot more championships or, or semifinals uh, than they've won anything. So when this moment happened, you know, don't, ex- you know, or my wife likes to say our, our frustrations are a product of our expectations. I would say, keep your expectations low, just enjoy it and, and savor the wins over UCLA and, and US and or not USC, UCLA and Oregon state uh, savor the men's basketball team uh, looking like, like championship material, regardless of the Duke result, whatever happens happens, but this is a fun time. It's been a long time coming, it, you know, since we, we started this podcast or relaunched it during the pandemic and Arizona was on a big loose. It took us almost over a year to talk about an Arizona football win. And here we yeah. are with, uh, with yep. bowl eligibility and, and, and the possibilities are exciting. So savor it. Keep your expectations low and you'll be fine. Thanks for sticking with us throughout all of it. It's been a hell of a ride and we have a lot more to give. It's been it's been so much fun. Coming up next, let's talk to the voice, the Wildcats, Brian Jeffries here on Wildcat Country. What's up, everyone? It's Chris Gronkowski and football season is back. 
Ice Shaker is a proud sponsor of the Wildcat Country Podcast. Don't forget to check out some of our new products like the Ice Shaker with the built-in bump box speaker that's going to absolutely pop at your next tailgate party. Let's crush it this season. Bear down. Shane, is this not the perfect time to have the legend, Brian Jeffries, the voice of the Wildcats, on with us this week? I mean, Arizona ranked number 21 in the in the college football playoff rankings. Who would have ever thought? Brian, uh, we'll start there. First of all, thank you so much for coming back on with us uh, for the second time in three months. How incredible is it that we're talking about a ranked Arizona team with a chance to go to a big bowl game in early November? Well, I guess, guys, uh, some people might say the Jetfish is ahead of schedule. I don't I don't know if I want to use that particular description or not. But if you go back to that first quarter at Mississippi State when things didn't look too good, uh, it's a it's a surprise to many. The Wildcats are sitting where they are right now, but they've continued to get better. Uh, Jed set the culture a couple of years ago. Uh, he's recruited exceptionally well. You could kind of see the growth of the team coming. And even in those losses to Washington and USC, uh, there, there was something going on there. I mean, they, they lost the Huskies by seven. They lost triple overtime by two at USC. And uh, Jed says that may be the game right there. Despite the fact it was a, a very difficult loss, that was the game that kind of sparked this team to believing that they can go out and beat everybody. And, and since then, they've done exactly that. They won three straight. Brian, the common denominator in the games you mentioned is Noah Fafita, who came on in relief of Jaden Delore at the end of the Stanford game, led him to a game-winning touchdown, and then has been fantastic ever since. Has you know, obviously Noah Fafita deserves a lot of credit for for the the, the surge that Arizona has made in the last month or so. How is he respond? Do you think that he's maybe responsible, like morale-wise, for for some of this as well, or is it just a matter of like the whole team, both both sides of the ball, just happen to be coming together at the same time? Well, I'd say that, uh, yeah, you got to say most of it is just the team coming together. The defense has been outstanding. That's been maybe the biggest surprise and the biggest area of growth is what Johnny Nansen has done on that side of the ball. But Noah's got a very calming personality. And I think when he gets in the huddle, and this is what the other players have told me, that when he gets in the huddle, there's just confidence. He exudes confidence. And so they kind of cling on to that. Uh, the offensive line has played exceptionally well for him. Uh, he's got a couple of great wide receivers. The running back room is deep. And so he's got all the tools to work with. But here's a guy that's second in the nation in completion percentage right now as a, a redshirt freshman who you know just played mop-up duty a year ago. It's a pretty good story. And if he keeps it up, it's going to be one of the best stories in college football this year. Let me ask you about Dwayne Aquina, because I know taking nothing away from what Johnny Nansen's done and what he's built in Arizona. But I feel like... And I think a lot of Wildcat fans would agree that that you see this edge, this almost nastiness to the defense now. And I got to believe that Dwayne Aquina has a little something to do with that. And obviously, you you know Dwayne Aquina very well from from multiple stints at Arizona. What do you think about that? Uh, I would agree because uh, if you go back to August, and you know my opinion doesn't count, but I looked at the defense and they had fortified the defensive line. They brought in a couple of uh, excellent transfers to shore up the linebacking spot but they lost some key guys in the secondary off last year's team. And to me, that was the biggest question mark. Could that defensive backfield come together? Could, is there enough talent there for them to, you know, to be where they are now, I guess. And, uh, and Dwayne Aquino is the guy that gets all the credit for that because he is a master at it. And that's his specialty. The, the secondary, the safeties, uh, you know, helps in the corners. I mean, he is just a guy that, yeah, you're right. I mean, he's a fiery guy. He really is. I, I remember 
and I don't remember exactly what the play was, but we were at Stanford earlier this year. And of course he had uh, coached there uh, previously as an assistant. And there was a play that went against Arizona and from the opposite side of the field. I mean, I could see the red in his face. I mean, he was, he was upset at the officials is what he was mad about, but it tells you a little bit about his personality and you see it on the field. I mean, on the practice field, I should say, because he's not a guy, he doesn't use four letter words or anything, but he's not afraid to get in the face of the guys and he brings out the best of them. Um, you know, I, I think the safeties have improved the most under him. It's nice to have a couple six foot four corners. Uh, that's been a, you know, a huge dividend, but I, I agree. I, I think he deserves a heck of a lot of credit uh, for that secondary and, and really, and then that's helped uh, the, the entire defense. I want to ask you about two separate things in one question. Do you notice a better effort level from this team as compared to teams we've seen in let's say at least a decade and number two, totally separate. Let's talk about uh, the crowd and just your, you know, your thoughts on Arizona stadium. When you walk in, uh, when you, during the timeout, just what you see, how much different does it feel to you over previous years? Well, I'll start out with effort. And I think the effort's always been there, but I think the other E word that uh, we need to add is energy. And uh, and that's what they've really brought, in particular on the defensive side. But I think the the whole team just is playing with a lot more energy. And you guys know when you win, you know, you, you gain confidence. And they're also, you know, the chemistry has been good. Uh, so we had Martel Irby on after the game the other night. And he talked about just the love in the locker room between all the guys. And, you know, that's hard to you know, over, you can't overlook that kind of thing. That, that's a key part of any football team or any athletic team is to have that type of chemistry in the locker room because it, it works its way out onto the field. And in terms of the crowds, I, you know, the, the people we went through, as you guys well know, some dark days and uh, I, it's been kind of slow for the fans to say, okay, maybe we got something going here. Let's, let's go out and see what it's all about. Uh, the the energy level of the fans this past week was probably the best it has been all season. And maybe since prior to, I'd have to go back to some of the, the Rich Rodriguez games, the last time we'd seen that type of uh, energy in the stadium. And it's all led by the, you know, the student section. And they were there, they stayed mm -hmm. for the game. And that's always tough for students, um, especially at a 7.30 game at night, because you know what uh, happens later on at night, they'd like to go out and party, but they stayed and it meant a lot to the team and, and certainly was a big part of the win. So I live a couple hours north, as does Shane, and I drive down for every home game. I've missed one non-2020 home game since 2007. And after I leave in the parking lot, I'll put on your post-game show. And I hear your voice. I've heard your voice after demoralizing blowouts. But the last two weeks, it has been different. And even against, you know, Washington, it was different. I feel like your enthusiasm really has shown on the airwaves um, to the fans. Anything you can touch on with that? Well, like I said, guys, and again, you know it, uh, there's been some tough times here. And we went through three years of about as difficult as you can ask for. And so as much as I have believed in Jed Fish since he got here and I got to know him and understand what he was all about and, and could see what he was doing – I, I believe this has come quicker than a lot of people expected. I thought that they would have a chance to get to six wins this year. I really did. And I was, I was hoping for that. I was hoping they could get to a bowl game. It would be a, a great show of progress and then go on from there. And, and here they are at six wins with three to play, uh, including a home game. So 
uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I'm almost, I'm not going to say I'm in disbelief because again, I've been around this staff long enough now for the last almost three years to understand what they're putting into the program and all the work they've, they put into it and been around the players and I can see all the sacrifices they've made, but at the same time, you never know. I mean, and nowadays in the transfer portal, when you're bringing new guys in all the time and you don't know how quickly that they're all going to fit together. Uh, but they've been able to do that. And in particular, on the again, you go back to the defense and bringing in some talent has made a whole lot of difference. So, yeah, I, uh, I'll admit I'm, I'm excited. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm also a little not scared isn't the right word, but I'm wondering what's going to happen over the next three weeks Yeah, because, you know, some really great things could happen. Uh, I, to me, if you're in a bowl game, there's that, that is a goal you want to reach. So they've hit it. Uh, now they can move into a more prestigious bowl, depending on what they do over the last three weeks. And so now you get a little nervous about, okay, we're going to Boulder this week, last home game for the Buffaloes and everything that's gone into that program this year. And, and they've got some talent, despite the fact that they've had some tough times here of late. So, uh, yeah, you're nervous and you, you, you're hoping that the Wildcats continue to play at that same level. Well, I think we're th- right there with you, and it's crazy that it's, it, you know, we were excited about the possibility of six wins before the season, and now it would be fair or not a, a big disappointment if they lose their last three. But let me look ahead to the game in Boulder. Uh, like you mentioned, Colorado's definitely uh, been on a slide lately. Uh, two-part question. Do you think that's more just them coming down to earth versus, you know, they, they were really maybe quite as good as the national media made them out to be? And then the second part of that, we had Max Brown on last week, and he said Arizona should come after Shadur Sanders, or he's going to pick them apart. Just your thoughts on how Arizona uh, goes about uh, containing uh, Sanders? Well, I, that's a yeah. There's a couple of aspects to that. One is as good as Arizona's defense has been. Uh, check the interception column, yeah. and you will see the number two. Uh, they just they've had you know Takario Davis, for example. I think he's broken up a pass in seven straight games or something. A couple of weeks ago, I mean, he had two of them in his hands and just couldn't yeah. hang on. And Sanders has only thrown three picks this year. Right. So to me, that's a great challenge right there. Can Arizona find a way to pick him off? Johnny Nansen doesn't do a lot of blitzing. He loves pressure defense, but not necessarily. So I, I think that's going to be part of the game plan is here. Okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to continue with what has got you here? Are you going to try and pressure Sanders? Uh, or are you going to try and come after him? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I, I think that's going to be a fascinating part of it. Now, in terms of what happened to Colorado, uh, to me that, you know, I go back to Jed Fish's first year, you go one and 11, uh, because anytime you're a first year coach and things have been down and Colorado was definitely down last year, it's hard to just instantly turn it around. He beat a, what, a mediocre TCU team. Yeah. Uh, He beat a mediocre Nebraska team, and they had to go overtime to beat Colorado State. Another mediocre, in my opinion, a mediocre team. And their other win is three three, three points at ASU. There you go. And so uh, I think it's more the fact that they just, you know, they had three games. Nobody knew what he, he had those first three games. Uh, you know, it was, it was hard to scout them. Didn't under, you know, I, I don't know how many people knew how good Travis Hunter was, uh, before he got hurt. He hasn't been quite the same since, but again, he might be one of the most dynamic players in the nation. Uh, but you know, that's Sanders and, and Hunter and beyond that, you know, what does Colorado have? And now people have kind of figured him out. And like you said, the schedule has caught up with him as well. 
All right, well, let's pivot to basketball. We got uh, the first taste of regular season play uh, with Arizona's big win over Morgan State. I think it was the the second most lopsided win in program history is was what I read. Uh, your initial thoughts on this team, what stood out to you in that first game? Well, uh, Tommy's brought in some outstanding players. Now, again, we go to the transfer portal. You get Caleb Love out of North Carolina. He's played in the Final Four. You get – uh, Kashid Johnson out of San Diego State. He's played in a Final Four. You get uh, Jaden Bradley played at Alabama again, a tournament team. So you get guys like that in the program. They're going to pay dividends, and and they are going to pay dividends. And the, he's brought in uh, four freshmen, and uh, I think uh, three of them are going to contribute probably in a big way. And the biggest one is Mo Crevis, the seven foot two kid out of Lithuania uh, that uh, has a great future ahead of him. He is a freshman. He's 18 years old. Uh, he'll back up Umar Balo this year, but uh, from what we've seen, you you know you don't teach seven foot two, and so he's he's going to be a force inside. Um, Kylan Boswell, uh, he's still only eighteen; he's a, a sophomore. Uh, he has totally changed his physique. Uh, he had worked all summer on his shot. We could see that last night. He had a career high eighteen, and so uh, he is you know a major factor in there as well. So. And Tommy's going to go deeper this year. One thing that when he looked back at last season, he said, hey, look, we didn't go deep enough on our bench. It caught up with us. And so we were trying to figure that out. We were looking at the roster, and you can look at 10 guys on that roster right now and legitimately say that they deserve to play. It's going to work itself out, but that kind of depth, and you never know when injuries are going to pop up, so it's, it's just good to have that kind of depth. Let me ask you about the the matchup with Duke, um, which Arizona's beaten Duke the last two times they played him, but they didn't play McCann or Indoor either time. Uh, Duke uh, brings as a lot, obviously, a ton of talent like they do every year. Bring back some talented guys. Uh, Omar Ball is going to have his hands full with Kyle Filipowski. They have the number two recruiting class in the country. Uh, give us uh, maybe a couple of matchups to watch in that game. Well, I think yeah, in the middle is going to be the key one to me. Uh, Duke always has a strong backcourt, and so I only I take that for granted every year and. Uh, to me, that's probably how is Caleb Love going to deal? He's played at Cameron before when he was at, at North. I'm sure yeah. the Duke fans will remember him fondly. <laughs> and so how does he deal with that? And then how about the guys that haven't played at Cameron before? And I've been there. I know what it's like. It's not the biggest arena, but they're right on top of you. It's a great tradition. Duke is always good. Uh, they might be the best team in the country, uh, at least as we we look right now, uh, one game into the season. So uh, how Arizona deals with the environment to me, I think is going to be as important as anything. Uh, they've got the talent. And, you know, I talked to Tommy yesterday afternoon and before the first game, and I said, you know, this is kind of unusual. He had two exhibition games and they don't always do that. And they also had the, the trip back to Israel over the summer. And so they've had all these guys together for a lot longer than maybe you would normally have in particular when you bring in those freshmen and transfers. And so, he thought that they were a lot further along in terms of their early season development because of the fact that they've been together a lot longer than you might normally have. And so we'll, we'll see how their maturity and again, how they deal with the environment. I think that's going to be the key there. Uh, the thing about Arizona's schedule is it is it's, it's crazy this year. It is so tough. So they're not going to win all those games, but it's only going to help you to play them. And, and that was Tommy's philosophy when he set up the schedule is, you know, we can't be afraid to go on the road and play Duke. We can't be afraid to play Michigan State and and Alabama and Purdue. Hear that, Eric? Um, he's scared. He he doesn't like the, all the uh, all the tough competition in non conference. But but you guys know that 
when the selection committee starts looking at that strength of schedule and that net mm -hmm. number, this all plays into it. And Arizona's going to win more than they lose, uh, but but it's only going to make them better to play games like the the one at Duke. Agree with you 100. Uh, percent I love it, and and I love the fact that Eric's smiling about it right now. Uh, last question for you. I'm going to pivot back to football here for for one question because we probably aren't going to talk to you uh, before uh, the matchup with ASU. And it feels like the shoe's kind of on the other foot because a lot of times over the years, you know, Arizona goes in as the underdog. They have nothing else to, I mean, nothing to lose. This is their bowl game, essentially. This year, it's going to be different. We don't, don't know how, what the momentum is going to be like going into that game. But just on that level, is, is should Wildcat fans be wary that ASU could give Arizona its best shot when they play in Tempe? Absolutely. I mean, you know, Sun Devils have a, a solid defense, first of all. I mean, they're their weakness has been on the offensive side, at least from what I've seen. And I know they've had a number of injuries there, but for the most part this year, uh, maybe with the exception of that game up in Salt Lake city, they played pretty good defense this year. And so uh, to me, I've been through enough of these that now you, you never take anything for granted. You never look at the records. I could throw out a million cliches here. Uh, I, I, that game, you, you can't predict that game. And so a lot of it's going to, have to do with what happens over the next two weeks. You know, what, what's Arizona sitting at in two weeks? Uh, they know they're going to a bowl game, so that's not going to be on the line. Uh, but maybe a more prestigious bowl might be on the line. And just the, the whole pride thing. And for ASU, that's what they're playing for right now. And if they could beat Arizona, a bowl-bound Arizona team, uh, I don't know how many fans always say, and I, I hate this, at least from an Arizona perspective, is, well, if you beat ASU, then the season's okay. You know, I don't think that's – I don't buy that. Uh, but in this case, you know, for Arizona State fans, they might be thinking that. If if they can beat Arizona in the final game of the, the season, they might walk away and say, hey, we got something started here. My last question for you, Brian, once again, as always, thank you for joining us. Arizona's number 21 right now in the college football playoff rankings, as we've discussed. All right, the top – I think you need to be in the top 11 or so to get a New Year's Six Bowl. Are we dreaming too much? Or, in your opinion, eh, you never know. Let's see how the chips fall. All right. Well, I tried to figure this out. So here's my scenario. The only scenario, Arizona's got to win out. So they'd be 9-3. and three. They would have beaten another ranked team in, in Utah along the way. Uh, Oregon and Washington go to Las Vegas. Oregon wins the game. They get into the playoff. Washington loses that game and maybe they lose at Oregon state this year. I don't know. Uh, Arizona would probably have to, you know, I, they, you know, Washington owns the tiebreaker there. If, if you want to use that scenario, it's just, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It just isn't, but you know, I'll sound like a coach here, take them one game at a time and, and you got to win nine. If they're not nine and three, then we're not even talking about it. So First things first, and if they could get to nine, at least that's something to to dream about. I just think that where this program is, third year under Jed Fish, the fact they're going to play in a bowl game, and if they're nine and three, let's just say they're nine and three, and they play in a really good bowl game, whatever it might be, uh, there it's, it's nothing but good news. Great, exciting times ahead. Great having you on once again, Brian. Thank you as always for the uh, great analysis, and we always enjoy listening to you uh, from near or far. So we hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Shane, always.
always great to talk to our buddy Brian Jeffries. Great analysis from the Voice of the Wildcats. But now it's time for one of my good buddies from Sportsline. He's you can find him on just about every early edge program. He's also the executive producer. It is my boy Alan Bell. Uh, AB, you were five and four when you were on with us in week uh, three. Now you are back. Now my our pal Jeff Bloom, who was on last week. The first person to ever go nine and zero to sweep the board. Something Eric and I have never done is have a perfect week picking football. In the three years we've been doing this, right, well, I was going to say, I was going to say. First off, I appreciate you guys having me back. Sure. Second, uh, appreciate you guys having me uh, right after the guy who went uh, unbelievably perfect. So nice job, Jeff, on that one. Now, one of you, I feel like, is going to go perfect. I'm going to embarrass myself since there's no way that I'm going nine and zero on this one, but. Boys, good to be on with you, man. I appreciate it. Well, let's start it. We're going to start in the SEC, which is your specialty, AB, and I'll let you make the first pick. Georgia is hosting College Game Day this week against Ole Miss, and they're giving 11 points to the Rebels. Who you got? Yeah, I'm taking Ole Miss here. Look, um, and this is nothing against Georgia, right? Ole Miss is just a better team than the public might believe. They just make dumb turnovers, right? But when they don't, they're pretty good. And the one thing that Lane Kiffin can do is annoy this kind of Nick Saban collection of coaches, right? So he knows Kirby smart. They know each other unbelievably well. Uh, Georgia wins the game, but 11 points is too much. I'll take Ole Miss here. Dane. Yeah, I, I'm a simple man, and I make a lot of these picks based on what the team did the previous week and how I think they're going to respond. Uh, Ole Miss just barely got past AM, which I think it lost – seven straight on the road or something like that. Uh, and then uh, Georgia got a scare for Missouri, a Missouri team that's good, but the team that Georgia should have put away. And every time Georgia has been sort of challenged in the last couple of years, the next week they come back with a vengeance. I think they're going to be ready for this game. I think they're going to find a way to cover. I actually, even though Shane, you're one behind me, we both went six and three last week. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going Ole Miss. I agree with AB, but I think it's going to be right on that line. I have Georgia by 10. So I'm going Ole Miss barely to cover that line. All right, A.B., I got to start with you again on this one. Your boys, the Tennessee Volunteers, are giving one at Missouri. Now, we're Pac-12 guys. We don't soon to be Big 12, but we don't know that that much about the SEC. Tell us who you like in this game and why. Well, okay, so I'll say this. I know that we pick spreads uh, on this game right here. Yeah, but this is take, basically pick them. Yeah. Take the over. Yeah, if, I got that. Yeah. Like, yeah, just personally, take the over. I think it's 58 and a half as we currently sit right here. Uh, I'm going to take Missouri, though, to uh, to win, to cover. Um, Interesting. Yeah, Missouri's a good football team, man. And, you know, I know that, you know, last week against Georgia, uh, they look great, right? You know, it, it was a solid game. But they've done that all year. Like, Missouri's better than people give credit for. They can score a lot of points. Their defense isn't that great. But Tennessee's not the same team that they were last year. They're not scoring 60, 62 points. They really don't even throw the ball that much. This is actually the best rushing team in the SEC and a top-five rushing team in the country. So... I think Missouri can actually play Tennessee's game better than Tennessee can. Yeah, give me Missouri. I really feel guilty, Shane. I I'm actually going against him, and he's the he's the Tennessee homer. He's yeah. pulling a U, picking against his own team. I'm going <laughs> yeah, Tennessee, and we haven't even gotten to our to to my anti homerism yet. <laughs> oh God! Uh, Here we go. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, Eric, you talk sometimes about suspicious lines in Vegas. I feel yeah. like this one's a little suspicious with Tennessee being a slight road favorite. Tells me suggests maybe they know something we don't, and I think Missouri. It's a situation where they they expended a lot of energy, a lot of focus on beating Georgia. That didn't happen. They have to come home now and play. It's still a good team. I think it's going to be tougher for them to get up with this one. I think they're kind of ripe for the pickings in that way. So give me Tennessee to win. 
Yeah. Here's, I, the, I, here's the fascinating part. I didn't yeah. interrupt you. That, that was an excellent point about playing Georgia, right? Like after you play them, it's like playing the 49ers in the NFL the week you're beat up, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And here's the interesting part too. Tennessee plays Georgia next week. Next so week. they're yeah. looking ahead to that one as well. This game could be all over the place. Suspicious line. You're correct there. It, I will. I will tell you, A.B., on our show that we will record on Wednesday, I am giving yeah. out the over as well. I mean, you and I are both going <laughs> to be giving I mean, we we know better. This is going to be a shootout. That's what Missouri does. That's what Tennessee does. And Tennessee's offense got back on track last week. All right, Michigan, minus four and a half at Penn State. Shane, I'll start with you. I mean, Michigan looks like the best team in the country, but they also might have everybody's signals. What do you think? <laughs> well, two ways to look at the off-field uh, issues. Number one, is it a distraction? Uh, are they going to lose their focus? On the other hand, are they going to go out there and try to shut everyone up because everyone's talking crap about the program? I think it's going to be kind of the latter. I think we saw Penn State is good, but they're definitely the third best team uh, in the Big Ten, as we saw when Ohio State played them. So I, I like Michigan, and if I'm going to pick Michigan to win, I might as well take the four and a half. All right, A.B., how about you? I'm taking Michigan here. Uh, I, I, I Look, Shane, you nailed it completely. And speaking of that, in regards to like all the, the stuff going on around the program, Jim Harbaugh has used that week after week after week as motivation and the team's bought in. And if they, if Michigan were like a gimmick offense and there was all these things that had to come together, I, I would not bet them at all. Like things would fall apart. They just run the football. And then the minute that you sell out to stop the run, McCarthy beats you over the top. It's pretty simplistic. Uh, it's really kind of hard to mess that up. So I agree. Give me Michigan here. Uh, Penn State's a good football team, but Michigan, man, like they're just, they're, Say the best team in the country. Uh, I would love to see Penn State beat them. I will be rooting for Penn State, but I think Michigan wins this game by about a touchdown, so give me the Wolverines. All right, we're going to go to the Pac-12. Next six are Pac-12 games, and then we have a basketball game to pick as well. All right, Washington State at Cal, who's favored by one and a half. I think the Cougars are done. I think Arizona ruined the Cougars. They put them off the map. When you can't even beat Stanford at home, you're done. Give me Cal minus the one and a half. A.B., how about you? Yeah, I'm going to Washington State. I don't disagree with the okay. thing that you said, um, but I'm going to go Washington State. I, st I I agree that, you know, it's a wrap for them. I just don't believe in Cal. Okay, fair enough. Shane? Yeah, I, I, I keep saying, okay, Washington's going to pull it together. They're going to pull it together, and they keep not doing it. So do I do I abandon them now, or do I remain stubborn? I, I, I think I'm going to abandon them. I, I think I'm going to go with Cal. And Cal's not – there's not a horrible team in the Pac-12 this year. Even our friends in, in, in Tempe aren't – they're awful. horrible, Shane. They're well, horrible. well, they were against Utah, but overall the season. I know. I know. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that later. <laughs> but I, I don't think Cal is is that bad either. You remember that they were two-point conversion away from beating USC, which I know isn't a great team either. But so it's not like Washington State is that much more talented than Cal. They're and Cal's not playing. They're still, they're playing better. They're not playing as horribly as Washington State, and they're at home. So give me Cal. Oregon State is minus 20 at home against Stanford. I mean, you know, I, I don't have great analysis on this one. I don't think Stanford's that good. They've gotten a couple nice road wins this year. This isn't going to be one of them. Oregon State big. Shane? Yeah, I've been going back and forth on this one. I'm still going back and forth as I'm talking, so I'm going to ramble and try to think of something. Uh, I, Oregon State's going to win easily, uh, but it could, you know, be a situation where they're up by 24. Stanford gets a uh, you know meaningless backdoor, touchdown, late. okay, backdoor cover. So uh, I guess I'm talking myself into that. I'll say I'll say Oregon State by and somewhere in the 17 point range. Okay, AB. Yeah, I'm gonna take Oregon State. You know, but that's a good point though. That like you know when you have a uh, what is it? You said 20. Yeah, 20 point favorite. Like you've got to be up 30 to feel comfortable. You know what I mean? 
So it's definitely a weird sweat, but Stanford, that's this is not their style of game. If Oregon State gets going, uh, that, that ball rolls downhill fast. Yeah, I'll take Oregon State. So AB and I record the Sportsline College Football Show every Wednesday. These next two games will be a part of it, I am sure, as featured games. Start with USC at Oregon, who is favored by 14 and a half. I mean, I'm going to, AB, I'm going to let you go first on this one. I, I'm going back and forth on it. Go, get, Let's see what you got. Uh, the over uh, of a thousand. Yeah, well, I got I'm that. Still I'm take... giving that out. Yeah, I got that. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Give me Oregon here, man. Um, I, I think that they are the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, that said, I know that, you know, they could play some funky games, but lately they've been doing their thing, man. Uh, I, I I just, USC's defense is horrible. Like it just doesn't horrible. stop anybody. I'll take Oregon here. Shane? Yeah, USC's defense is awful, but I think there's a question a couple of weeks ago about whether USC was going to quit. They haven't quit. They just got beat by a better team. They got outlasted by Washington. Yep. I think they're going to go into Oregon and play tough. They're going to play well, but like he's like I said, their 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 defense is terrible. They're not going to win there. But I think that I think the the line is a little bit too too high. I I I think USC finds a way to cover. Maybe even lose by one possession. Boy, Shane and I are agreeing on most of these games this week. I actually like USC to cover. I think they're going to play better. I think Oregon's going to score in the 40s. I think USC is going to score in the 30s. But I think with that that hook there, that's that's a number I want no part of it, 14 and a half or 15. So I'm going to roll with USC plus the points, not confidently. All right, now well, here's well, a tricky line. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, and again, yeah, don't interrupt. Like Oregon's defense is not much better. Like their defense is not great. I I have watched their secondary just get torched by bad teams. So, okay. I mean, yeah. Like and, and and USC's offense isn't the problem. Here's the weird thing. Like I agree with you in uh, on this sense. Fourteen and a half in the hook. Uh, Oregon does weird, dumb stuff. They go for two a lot. They mm-hmm, don't kick true. field yeah. goals. Like that could absolutely hurt. You know where to where they win by thirteen, and you're like, dude, if we just didn't go for two twice, we would have covered. So yeah, you got that in your favor as well. Fair enough. All right. Now let's go to another one that's kind of a weird line. Utah is at Washington, who's minus 10. Utah beat ASU by, what, 52 points last week? Washington's last, what, five or six games have all been within 10 points. Their biggest win being 10 over USC last week with a late touchdown. I like Utah to cover this. I think they lose by a touchdown. AB, I'll start with you. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to go with Washington, and I think I'm actually mirroring mirroring the uh, example that you had on the early edge. I think it was, was it two weeks ago? Utah played Oregon. I yeah. think whoever, yeah, yeah or, and Oregon just, just whooped them. them. Yeah. Like I, you said it, you were like, Utah's not built to play this style of game. And I think that Washington could do the same thing. They start scoring. Like it, it, it's all, Utah's almost like Air Force. They're like you, you, they run out of playbook options. I'm going to take Washington here. I don't hate playing Utah. I mean, they're a phenomenal team, but on the road, I'll take Washington. Shane, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Utah's a much better team at home, generally. Uh, and w- while Washington, like, it's a great point, Eric, about how they played a lot of close games. But I think this, I mean, you can maybe see a backdoor cover in the other direction, maybe where where Washington's up six or seven points, Utah's driving, Washington gets a pick six to end the game. Something like that in play. And, and even if they do, that, that's not the scenario, I think Washington's more than capable of covering at home. So, so give me Washington to cover. I can't, I was thoroughly unimpressed with USC last or UCLA last week. Thoroughly unimpressed. And they got whooped. Arizona just absolutely whooped them in that, what, 27 to 10 game. Now they're giving away 16, maybe even higher at some books to ASU who lost by that many, just a ton. 
So what do you do with this game? I, I guess I'm going to roll with ASU with the points, thinking that maybe UCLA is demoralized after that performance last week, and ASU maybe steps up a little bit. Low-scoring game, but that's what I'm going with. Shane, I, maybe you have a better sense on it than I do. Do we know who's going to quarterback for you for uh, UCLA? Is Garbers going to be going? or do we I, know Garbers did not look good to me. I think yeah. I, I haven't read anything yet. Dante Moore also seemed to get hurt. They have the other right. kid that can run. Uh, I mean, yeah. I still think it's better than anything ASU has, but still, that's yeah. I'm the, still going with the, the Sun Devils. Yeah. That that being the case, I, I I'll probably take ASU to uh, to cover uh, one way or another. I don't think they're going to check out even after their loss uh, to Utah. Yeah. I, I think Kenny Dillingham's going to going to rally around. He kind of had an interesting tweet about how he didn't have the guys ready to go. I don't know if you saw his tweet. It's like that's kind of an interesting thing to share publicly. Um, but anyway, uh, I I think ASU finds a way to to bounce back and not win. But I think they're going to be more competitive. I think the game against Utah was a little more of an outlier than who they are, which is a, a below average team that loses close games primarily as opposed to blowouts. So I'm going to take ASU to cover. AB. Well, we've reached the uh, crow eating portion of the show on the early edge. I uh, went all in on UCLA against Arizona. And EC even said, he goes, he goes, I'm just telling you, man, it's not a good call. And I said, well, I doubled down on it. And that's what I get for doing that. UCLA looked atrocious. Arizona looked great as Arizona has for what? Six weeks now? Something like that? Like, it's just mm -hmm. been consistent, great football. Uh, I'm going to take UCLA here uh, just because Arizona State is awful. And I think that UCLA will actually do it by defense instead of offense. Like, they don't necessarily have to score a ton. I think their defense is good enough to just completely shut down. Uh, Arizona State, and I think that they'll play kind of upset, angry, right, after that loss. So I'll take UCLA here. But I need it to be known to everyone in wonderful Wildcat country here that I chose wrong last week, and I apologize for it. I'm thinking about hey. that line from uh, from Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, that he, he chose poorly <laughs> i was waiting for you to finish that but I, well, I, oh, listen. I didn't want to jump in your way all right now the line last week that we gave out on the show was ucla minus one and a half even though it had gone up and shane did pick ucla to win the game by one by one point he gets credit for the cover I I do. Nice. but he did he has picked against arizona consistently yeah. lately and so it's now working. arizona is at colorado the number 21 ranked arizona wildcats at colorado before the season ab i took a lot of heat we were going through game by game, and I said, Arizona is going to lose at Colorado. And I got ripped. Oh, this guy's an idiot. Uh, how can you consider yourself a Wildcat fan? That's All right. Idiot. We'll see if I have redemption, but we're going to start with you. Give us a score prediction and just a, a couple lines on what you think are going to happen. 42-39, Arizona okay. wins. All right. Now, here's the thing. That's the projection of just being safe of, you know, kind of sports line play. Me? 52-30, Arizona. That's what I'm going with. That's my official, right? That's what I'm going with. I think Arizona wow. lays, yeah, I think they lay the hammer down. I love the attitude of this team watching you guys. It's been fantastic. And like I said, like joking about like eating crow, which not kidding about it, really am doing it. But like Arizona's for real. Like this is not like a one week, two week fluke thing. This team believes they play great football. They're well coached. Like they're doing everything that you would want your team to do. Colorado, look, it's fun. You know, it's a lottery ticket that you hit, but there's 10 lottery tickets that you miss trying to get that one. I don't believe in it. I think Arizona lays the hammer down on it, gets over that 50 burger. Let's go.
Okay. I love it. Shane, what do you got? All right. I'm going to take uh -oh. a baby. I'm going to take a baby step uh -oh. here. Now, let's just, 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 said, uh -oh. just, all right. I'm finally going to be bold enough to pick Arizona to win. Okay. But I think the spread is a bit high. I don't think Colorado has collapsed so much as they were never really that good. Uh, like Brian talked about TCU turns out they're an average team. Nebraska is an average team. They beat Colorado state in overtime. You know, who cares? They've come down to reality a bit. They still have a very dangerous quarterback who's thrown 24 touchdowns and just three picks this season. An outstanding wide receiver trio. Now, Colorado was last in the conference in yards allowed, so Arizona should be able to put up their typical 24, 27 points in Boulder, which is, you know, you get that elevation as well. As long as they take care of the ball. Uh, you can argue that this is the worst the worst team Noah Fafita has faced as a starter, which is kind of crazy. But I'm going to go Arizona, but I think it's going to be a very uncomfortable nail-biting kind of game. I'm going to say 24-23 Wildcats. Wow, low scoring game. All right. Now I am just like the Wildcats who are eight and one against the spread. I am eight and one picking Arizona games against the spread, with the only one being wrong was Washington State. I have a feeling that this game is going to be close. I actually agree with Shane. Not, not as close as what Shane thinks. And the last time Shane picked a one-point game, it was a one-point or no, well, Arizona to win a one-point game. Arizona won a one-point game a against Stanford, Stanford game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be close. And Colorado has had a habit of uh getting backdoor covers lately. Arizona also eight and one to the under. So AB's score prediction might be a little higher scoring, going a little bit lower scoring. Arizona 30, Colorado 24. I think we're going to win, but I it, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. We'll say that in Colorado's home finale is so Brian Mack. On the Arizona show, I'm the only one that's taking You're the Arizona only one. to cover. Right. Isn't that amazing how things change? All right. Now, here's the real thing. Here's where, where Shane and I are probably going to get killed, but we're going to go with it. We got one more pick. We're done with college football. Arizona is at Duke on Friday night, AB, uh, seven o'clock Eastern, six in Nashville, five in Arizona. We don't know the line on this game. Give me a pick, uh, your winner, and by approximately how many points do you think? Yeah, look, I'm taking Arizona by eight. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yep, by eight. Now, look, again, nothing negative against Duke, but I don't think that Duke is really all that ready in terms of coming out this season and coming out on fire. Arizona. We were talking about it before we came on air. Arizona's an NBA team. Like, I, I think that this team is ready to go anywhere, anytime. They're cool, calm, collected. They're bigger than you. They're more physical than you. And you know what? They're just, like, not worried about it. They're, they come in relaxed. Duke, people get all freaked out, right? I think Arizona's like, I mean, we're going to beat you. Like, it just, who cares, you know? So, I'm taking Arizona by eight. I think they lay it down. All right. I'm going to make my pick next. I, I just, I think it, the game will be close throughout. I think the line will probably be somewhere around Duke minus five and a half would be my guess. And we'll find out probably on Thursday when that comes out. I think that it'll be a couple possession game throughout. Duke pulls away late. Duke by seven. I hope I'm wrong. Hope Arizona wins. I hate Duke. We'll beat him next year in Tucson. <laughs> but I think Duke wins by seven. All right, Shane, the eternal optimist. Your first basketball <laughs> pick of the year. What do you yeah. got? All right. I, I think this is the kind of game that Arizona could win in March on a neutral court, given their combination of size, defense, guard play, and experience. I think this team is built more for March than, than the previous iterations of Tommy Lloyd's teams in Tucson. But I think it's a bit too much to ask for them to win this game in Cameron Indoor this early in the season as they're still establishing an identity, regardless of what they did against Morgan State. That was Morgan State. This is Duke. 
Duke matches Arizona's depth. I think comes close to it. They have they, they have the experience. They have the physicality. Umar Balo is going to have his hands full with Kyle Filipowski. So I'm going to pick Duke to win, even though I think Arizona will give him a difficult time. I guess be a, I agree with you. Close game throughout. I think Duke pulls away late. I'm going to say I'll, I'll give you a score prediction. I'll go I'll go uh, 82-71 Duke. Oh, by eleven. All right. Well, look at AB comes on the show. And he is the eternal optimist. Welcome to Wildcat Country for the second time, A.B. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it, as always. Thanks for being uh, a homer so we don't have to. Hey, yeah, you know I mean, hey, everybody's got to do a job. No, look, I, I, I believe in it, man. And I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you so much. You're gonna, A.B.'s going to get all the love in the comments, as he always yep. does on the Sportsline show. That's the ultimate goal, is to get those social media follows, which I respect. <laughs> well, I was going to say this. I was going to say this on the basketball game to end it. Like, I thought that was a great point by you uh, in terms of March, like Arizona, like being, a, you know, a team that's going to make a serious run for a title. And I agree. Um, Tennessee put Duke out last year in the NCAA tournament. And the reason why I like Arizona so much is that you guys remind me of the Tennessee team last year to where you're not afraid to get physical. You'll play defense. You could score a ton, but you don't necessarily have to do that. People have to score on you and it could be a problem doing that. So Arizona reminds me a lot of that. Um, that's why I like him here, but I appreciate you guys having me. The first time I was ever on a show with AB was the Arizona Tennessee game, December 17th last yeah. year when they were in Tucson. That was my debut on early edge with AB. We know what happened there. It was, it was a good thing. So, uh, and, and then Arizona beat Tennessee in baseball. So we're two and oh yeah. against the, uh, the volunteers since I've, I've known you guys own us. I know you guys own us dude. Gotta love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. For Brian Jeffries, always great to talk to him. Shane Dale, uh, Alan Bell joining us. I'm Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down.